0: Well, good morning, Harvest Point. It is good to be back with you this morning. I love getting to come all the way down here and hang out with you guys. I'm excited that Jonathan deemed me worthy to come back a second time to be with you guys. I really am grateful to Jonathan because I know that you guys know this, but he is an incredible pastor, is he not? He is. He's also been an incredible mentor to me and I think that he's going to be a pretty incredible parent, only second to Emily who will definitely be much, much better. But I just want to say thank you to Jonathan for inviting me, for mentoring me and for being there for me in my life and giving me the opportunity to start off a new decade with you guys. Have you heard that a lot about a new decade this year? It comes with a lot of conversation. But I want us to look back on 2019 for you guys. I creep you on social media. That means, I like watch everything that you do and y'all have had an incredible year for 2019 I saw a couple different things that I wanted to lift up You've had baptisms and service projects, you've given out Bibles, you've thrown block parties And as Jonathan mentioned, you served 10,000 meals last week That's incredible, 10,000 people that will come to know Christ because of your love That's all in one year And I love to celebrate things like that. I love that we have a video to watch. I love celebrating things. And I love that we do that as a culture every single year. I think my love for celebration goes back to my elementary school days. And there was this commercial that came out, elementary, middle school era, that was Publix. And do y'all know the Super Emotional Publix commercials? Have you seen those? They like hit you right in the feels, right? They're so good. And this particular one though was a new thing that came out called Celebrate with a Publix Cake. Do y'all remember that? Celebrate with a Publix Cake. It's probably normal that you don't remember it, but in my household, it became like a staple. And so I remember one day, the first day, I came home from school and I said, Mom, I did really great on this test. And she says, you know what? we should celebrate with a Publix cake. (laughs) So we got in the car and we drove to the local Publix and we we didn't get an entire cake, we got the little pedophores and thus began a deep tradition of celebrating with a Publix cake. Got a good grade. Let's celebrate. Mail came on time, let's celebrate, right? Let's celebrate with a Publix cake. To this day, we don't necessarily go and get a cake anymore, but if you call our mom, any of her kids, if you call her and tell her something we're celebrating, you can hear her clap her hands together. She goes like this, and she says, ooh, let's celebrate with a Publix cake to this day. And that's the funny thing about this time of the year, is it gives us an opportunity to celebrate. In many ways, we stand with our foot in one year and we stand with the other foot in the next, looking at 2020 and thinking about what we might have to celebrate in 2020, what we might have to experience together. All that God wants to be a part of with us, the God that created the universe, what is God going to do in our lives this year? How are we gonna be able to sit down and talk with him and maybe share a piece of Publix cake. Which, speaking of cake, was probably a little mean of me this morning because I know some of you have probably started some New Year's resolutions. So I'm already starting your year off talking about cake. I do have a a survey question. In 2019, the beginning of 2019, raise your hand if you made a New Year's resolution. Be honest, beginning of 2019, raise them high. Keep them up if you kept it for the entire year. Oh yes, y'all did pretty good though, because did you know 8%, 8% of the population is able to keep their new year resolution. So if you were able to keep it for the entire year, that means that you are actually better than 92% of the population. So good for you this morning. Now if you're planning on starting a new year's resolution though, that's a little bit more difficult when you start thinking about all that is coming, all that this year holds and what your hopes are, what your dreams are, what you want to see God do in your life in 2020, but then you're reminded that only 8% of people are able to keep their goals. So I want to dig into scripture this morning to talk a little bit more about that and to talk about this concept of a new year and a new you. So when you came in, you should have gotten a card in your bulletin. That's going to be our scripture from Colossians 3 this morning. So you can look at that or you can pull out your Bible. And we're going to be reading from Colossians 3 starting in verse 12. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all of these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with wisdom through the psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus giving thanks to the Father through him. Amen. Paul in these verses gives us a lot of things to consider at the turn of this year. He has a dozen ideas of things that we could be doing as Christians. I put a couple of the words, actually all of the words up on the screen here. Would you look at this list, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love, unity, peace, wisdom, thanksgiving. And I want you to think about 2019 and think about these words and ask yourself, can you check off every single one of those? Tell me, were you perfectly compassionate and humble, Were you loving all of the time? Were you forgiving 100% of the time? And maybe you were, but maybe, maybe you started to lose your compassion when you were on Facebook or when you were watching the news. Maybe you started to lose your kindness as you were packed in with people doing Christmas shopping at the mall or the outlet stores. Maybe if you're like me, you started to lose your patience as a Falcons fan this year. (laughs) Whatever the case, when you look at these words and you consider this scripture, I think there are things that we could all improve on, things that we've probably all missed the mark on, maybe every single one of those words, things that we might not even be anywhere near achieving yet. When I told Pastor Jonathan that this is what I was going to be preaching on this morning, he said that a few months ago he preached on a longer version of this passage. And so I went and listened to it, hoping that maybe this was the moment that like the student becomes the master. Um, but then I listened to his sermon, and it was actually really good. so that's probably not what's going to happen here. But he did conclude his sermon, if you remember this. It was in the countercultural series. He concluded it with a uniform check. To think about all of these words and were we clothing ourselves with them? And then he challenged us to pick a word, something that we're gonna do similarly this morning. But my question to start us off is, did you achieve that yet? When you were thinking about those words a couple months ago, were you able to keep going with it? Maybe you were. Or maybe you were like, I know I was there, but I have no idea what this girl is talking about this morning. Here's why I ask this list is all really good stuff that I think we all desperately want to be more of as Christians, but we struggle with how to get there. And we're not alone either. A 2017 study looked at people's uh, New Year's resolutions and what the things they strive for and what the things they wanted to do. And when I looked through those different categories, I broke them down into three major things. Most people want more money, less tummy, and more time to do things that they enjoy doing. More money, less tummy, and more time. And I think these aspects of the Christian life actually address many of these major categories. I mean, think about it. Our desire for money can be met with thanksgiving. Our desire to change how we look, to change our outer appearance can be met with love for ourselves and love for who God created us to be. Our desire to do more of what we want to do can be met with our patience and with our peace and with wisely thinking about what God is calling us to do. And so today, instead of a resolution of more money or less tummy or more time, I want you to look at this list. And this morning, right now, I want you to pick the word that jumps out to you the most on this list. The word that you think you might be lacking in the most. Is it compassion? Is it kindness? Is it humility, gentleness, patience, forgiveness, love, unity, peace, wisdom, thanksgiving? Think about that word. And I want you to hold it at the front of your mind. And maybe it's the word, same word you picked a couple months ago. Maybe it's something different, but hold that at the front of your mind for our time together. Because I want to talk about how we become that 8% of people that can reach our goals, that 8% of people. And you know, there's a bunch of research that's been done on why people can't achieve those goals, and so I'm going to go through some of them real quick. The first is that they aren't clear. You aren't clear. So often we base our goals on these lofty ideas like we want to be skinnier or we want just to be different, but we create too much space of confusion. The important part of this process is not creating a vague ideal. The crucial part is setting a resolution that aligns with who you are and who you want to become, that aligns with who you are and what you hope to be. If we go back to Paul's words, he starts off with chosen and holy people. You are a chosen and holy people. That is who you are. So what do you want to become? What do you want to become? And I'm not sure if this clarity gets easier or harder as we get older, as we're in our 30s, 40s, 50s, and 80s, as we think about the clarity of what we want to become. I think sometimes as we get older, we have this phrase, right? We're set in our ways. I remember a few months ago at Hamilton Mill, I was preaching a sermon. It was one of those sermons that in the midst of it, you're like, this is so good. Like, God is so good, and this is, like, going to be so powerful. And after the service, I'm greeting people at the door, and people are going by, and this congregant who I love very much, who's in his late 70s, uh, mid-70s, comes up, And he he tells me, you know, I thought that was powerful and I thought it was moving and this is what I heard you say and I loved it. And then I want to make sure I get this quote right. He says to me, so I appreciate what you said there, Pastor Natalie. I think it would probably help me a lot. But I'm 74 years old. And then he does this. So I don't got to change. And then he just walked out the door. And I'm like, I'm frozen there with my hand out to shake him. I'm 74 and I don't gotta change. I will never forget that. But here's the unfortunate part for him and for all of us. We have this pesky idea that as Christians, we are always going on to something more, to something greater. We as Methodists believe in this idea of Christian perfection. Which means that unless you are perfect in love, you still have work to do, no matter what age or how set in your ways you are. So this morning, with that word, I want you to think about the answer, I am chosen by God, and I am becoming what? The second pitfall that researchers share is that you feel overwhelmed. You start thinking about farther down the road, you start thinking about what these things really would mean, and they just feel too big, and you start to feel overwhelmed. Each of these words from Colossians, unfortunately, are not super easy things that you just wake up one morning and suddenly you're perfectly loving or perfectly forgiven or the most humble person ever, right? It takes work to achieve those things, and it's easy to feel overwhelmed. Overwhelmed. We've all lived a lot of life to know that change is hard and confusing and comes with a lot of stuff. But it reminds me of my very favorite scripture, Psalm 61, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is, high, that is higher than I. Lead me to God when I am overwhelmed. If you look throughout scripture, the stories of faith are all people who are overwhelmed by change. I mean, even from the very beginning, people who are overwhelmed by change. You have stories like Noah just floating along as the whole earth is flooded. You have stories like Joseph, who started out as the most beloved son, suddenly was imprisoned, and then suddenly was king over an entire nation. You have stories like Mary, who we've become very attached to these past couple weeks, talk about overwhelming change. Yet every single one of them clings to the rock, clings to God when they're overwhelmed. Which brings me to the third hurdle that psychologists say we face when we're trying to reach our goals. You feel discouraged. Once you start your new year with this new word, You get going on it. You're gonna leave here and you're gonna say, okay, my word, my word is forgiveness. And then you're gonna be met immediately with someone that you have to forgive and you have the choice in that moment, what are you gonna do? Discouragement is I think what gets most of us when we're trying to set goals. It makes me think of a story a couple years ago. The place I was working at, there was this person there that just kind of was always in a swirl. She was always frustrated and always angry, and and she made people miserable. And I decided that year that my New Year's resolution was going to be kindness and was going to be peace. And so our very first day back at work after the holiday, I took in a Starbucks cup her favorite coffee order which might I tell you took a long time to get because she had a very specific list of things and I had to wait a very long time because they made it wrong the first time but I was committed people to kindness. And I brought it in and I I gave the most dazzling smile that I could give and I went to hand it to her and I told her Happy New Year and I just wanted to make sure that she could start her day off on the right foot. And by the end of the conversation, I wish that I had just walked in and dumped the coffee on top of myself because that would have been less painful than what happened. And here I am. This is my first thing that I'm trying. And I'm so frustrated and discouraged. We want results. And sometimes we don't see them as quickly as we expect them to happen. And when we return to our scripture, though, Paul doesn't say anything about that. He doesn't say anything about what to do when we try on these new clothings and nothing happens. But he does say this. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. When you feel discouraged, peace. And let it rule what does Paul mean by rule here? He uses a very particular word, rabio, which is different than any other time that he's used rule, and it actually is better translated as this, to decide. To decide. Here's what I think that means. God is who gets to decide when we are no longer called to the work. Of Christ, God is who gets to decide and determine our call, not based on the opinions or the reactions of others or ourselves. God gets to decide. I think what God is trying to say through Paul here is that it won't be easy all the time, but that doesn't mean we get to give up on the hard work of being the light of Christ in the world. God gets to decide. We don't. A few weeks later, I was sitting in my office when that woman came through the door and she had a Starbucks cup in her hand. And she handed it over to me kind of begrudgingly. And I looked down and it was my personal Starbucks order. And she didn't say anything at first. And then she says, I'm sorry, I can be kind of tightly wound. And then she just turns and walks away. And as she gets to the threshold of my door, she turns back around and she said, thank you for your kindness, and walked away. We don't get to decide how God moves, and we don't get to decide when we stop the work of Christ. God decides that. Fourth and finally, and perhaps the most difficult hurdle to overcome is this you aren't ready to change. And I know for many of us, we think that we are ready to change. We like to think that we easily change, but, but if we're honest, change is hard. Oftentimes change is thrust upon us and sometimes it can be bad. It can be death or illness or job loss. Sometimes it can be good, like a new relationship or a new baby. But either way, change can be hard. Change can be hard. And I think it's difficult because change requires us to make space in our life for something new. I'd imagine Pastor Jonathan and Emily can talk about that. Something new coming in their lives mean that they had to create space for this precious new baby. And when we want to change our lives, that means we have to create space for something new to come, which means we have to get rid of something else. Here's what I mean. If you're seeking to forgive, to be more forgiveness, forgiving, for forgiveness to be your light, what situation do you have to let go of? If you are growing in compassion, What perceptions need modification? If you are cultivating kindness, what roots of bitterness do you need to dig up? There's an old story that you're probably familiar with. It goes like this. There was a guy that was walking on a path and tripped and fell off the side of a cliff. As he was falling down, he was able to reach out and grab a branch protruding from the side of the cliff and he held on with everything inside of him. And he began yelling for help. Please, can someone help me? I'm losing my grip. Please, is anyone there? Suddenly a voice comes from the top of the cliff. Do not worry, my child. This is God. All you have to do is let go. So the man looked at the pit below him and looked back up and he took a deep breath and he yelled back, is anyone else up there? (laughs) To make space for kindness and humility, gentleness, passion, uh, forgiveness, peace, patience and unity, we need to stop standing in our own way. We need to let go of the barriers that hold us back, and we need to fall safely into the arms of a God who loves us. To make space, we have to stop standing in our own way. And so I want to challenge you to picture what it is that you have to let go of to let your new word take root this year. What? Do you maintain, what are you holding on to that you need to let go of to live a new year as a new you? I want you to look back at that card that you got when you came in. You'll notice on the front it has the scripture, and on the back it says, this year I choose. And if you're willing, I'd like us to consider all of the different pitfalls that we talked about this morning the feelings of uncertainty, feelings of defeat, of discouragement, all of these things in the world that so often hold us back. And I wanna invite you to leave that behind and pick something new. So I'll give you one more chance to look at all these words. And I want you to pick one and take a pen and write it boldly in that blank space on your card. Take a second, find a pen Elbow the person next to you to give you one and write boldly. Think of these words that Christ offers us and pick a new word, pick a new start, pick a new 2020. And I know you might have done this before, so do it again. And I want you to keep this card for this year. And I want you to put it in your purse or in your wallet or in your car or on your mirror. And I want you to write it down because there will be moments where you are overwhelmed, discouraged, or feel like you aren't ready. And when those moments happen, I want you to read this scripture over and over, and I want you to focus on your single word and ask yourself, how can in this moment I be a better version of myself? How in this moment can I live out this word? I'm going to invite the band to come back up, but I want you to remember Christ's invitation to be transformed, to be renewed, to be different and holier tomorrow than you are today. You have a lot of days this year left to try. You have a lot of days this year left to think about this new word. It's a leap year, so I think that means we get an extra day, right? So you get extra practice this year. So I want you to think about that and choose a new year and a new you. Let's pray together. Holy God, we thank you that you are always transforming. God, that you don't want to to leave us as we are, but that you are always trying to stir within us something new. You said that you sent your son that we might have life and have it to the full. And so this year, God, we devote our lives to living in the fullness of who you call us to be. We commit to living in compassion, to living in kindness, to living in humility. We commit to being gentle, to being patient, to being more forgiving. God, this year we commit to love and to unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We commit to peace. We commit to seeking your wisdom and above all, we commit to thanking you and praising you, God, for who you are and how you are moving in our world. So will you stir within us this morning a desire to be more like Christ? And will you enable us to reach those goals this year? It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.